everybody, this is Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. As a lot of you know, these conversations began as joined live streams that turned into podcasts to help reach more people and spread more hope. Thank you so much for your patience with the quality of sound as we figure out the best way to bring you these important chats, just in hopes of spreading more love and positivity. I hope you enjoy. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to You're Not Alone with Townsend. If you're enjoying these live streams and podcasts and want to see them continue, head over to patreon.com slash townsendtmusic. Your support means that the research and time and effort that goes into each one of these episodes can continue, and we can reach out to more guests and do more awesome things in 2022. All right, back to the conversation. So I'm going to do a quick introduction, and then I'm going to let you take over for a minute. I do want to start by saying uh, I was finishing my sentence right before you logged in, but I was telling them right before we started this, Kelsey and I um, text each other talking about how nervous we both were. (laughs) This is such a sensitive topic, but it's one that for me, I feel like needs to be discussed. I feel like it's super important. And I actually had several friends of mine that know of Kelsey, just how amazing and powerful she is and what she does. Um, And they suggested me reach out to you. So I couldn't pass up the opportunity. So with that, for everybody watching and Kelsey for you too, I want to say I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. I don't know if you know who that is. I've heard of her. Okay. So she's a huge, I think she's technically a psychologist, but she's also a big author. She does inspirational books. And one thing she says is we aren't here to get it right, or we're not here to be right, but we're here to get it right. Okay. So I want everybody to keep that in mind for the live stream tonight. So we're not here because we know we're right. And we know the answers to everything. We're here to make people more aware. We are just as humbled and Uh, human as each and every one of you guys are. So if we stumble on something, we say something incorrect, please be graceful because it is a sensitive topic and it's one that's tough to talk about, but one that we both felt like we wanted to touch on for everybody. So with that being said, Kelsey, thanks for deep diving into this topic with me. Of course. (laughs) All right. So she, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because all I've heard from everybody is how amazing of a person you are. I know you're a therapist yourself an advocate for mental health, which I've jumped on that bandwagon. And this is why I do all these things. I want to spread hope and just let people know that they're not alone, no matter what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell them about Kelsey. Who is Kelsey Allen? Um, so Kelsey Allen is a therapist by day and a poet, poet by night. So I did just co-author my first um, poetry book um, and something that I'm super, super passionate about as a therapist is mental health awareness, understanding. Um, And that's one thing that I really take seriously. People just um, understanding that your physical and emotional health is just as important as your physical health. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Oscar. So I actually just got her book Um, I am, I actually play music. I don't know if you knew that. So I'm also a musician on the side or (laughs) up front, I guess (laughs) on the side. Um, so to get this book, I was super excited to read all your poetry because I write songs and when you write it down, it's just like, it's just like a poem, you know? Um, so to read this, man, I blew through this book. I swear in like 45 minutes. Cause I was like, it's a topic that 
I'm just so interested in learning about because as a white female in America, I lack in that area so much, but it's an area that I want to learn more about. And I feel like as a female, we have similar struggles because especially in the music industry, oh my gosh, people joke about it all the time, but it is seriously an issue. It doesn't matter where I play or what I do. There's always going to be some kind of, um, comment about being a female like it's never good at music it's you know like it's just there's always a female struggle and so I feel like we Mm have in common and so I'm really excited to hear that plus being a different race than other people and just I just man I'm just really excited in case you can't tell (laughs) me too fun fact yeah go ahead I actually started, I didn't start write po- writing poetry. I started writing songs. Isn't Very that cool? cool. Okay. Did you play music or anything? Yeah, I grew up playing piano. Oh, I love it. That is awesome. Okay. You'll have to send me a video of you playing piano. That's just, a. <laughs> I love it. That's super cool. So what got you into poetry? Like what switched it over for you? Um... Even though I was very much into like theater and all that kind of stuff, I, I actually am really shy. So when it came, when it came to actually like singing my stuff that I was writing, I couldn't yeah. do it. So, but with poetry, you can just write it down, and let somebody read it. I don't have to do it myself. Absolutely, so. I girl don't play. I get it. I get up on stage. And I'm like, who signed? Who signed me up for this? Who? Right. <laughs> really, it was me. I put myself up there, but it's terrifying every time. All right. So. Yeah. If you had to pick, I know earlier you said mental health is just important as physical health and all of those things. If you had to say what your mission was, like what made you want to be a therapist? Like what was your goal? What was your mission? Um, I would say that my mission is basically just to normalize the process of therapy. Um, just to get people, I think a lot of people misunderstand it or don't really know what it means to focus on your emotional and mental wellness and so that's where a lot of the stigma comes from it's not that they dislike it they don't understand yeah and so that's that's a little bit of my personal mission to just help people figure out what that means for them specifically you can come into therapy with a load of trauma you can come into therapy just wanting to work on work stress you can come into therapy just wanting to optimize all of your potential and just notice patterns and connections in your life. It doesn't have to be something negative. It doesn't have to be something traumatic. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But I just want to normalize the whole process of coming in and speaking with someone and just letting things out. Yeah, I I love it so much. So I touch on, I'm good friends with Wendy, which is actually one of the people that told me about you and how I had talked to you. Um, She is someone that kind of helped me normalize therapy and counseling. And before that, you know, I'd heard about it. I knew about it, but you always think, well, I'm not crazy. I don't have to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of part of that stigma because you don't know better. And so educating Mm -hmm. myself and I tried to, I've told this before, but I went through a super rough time. Everything kind of fell apart at at once. Of course, when it rains, it pours. And so I read all these books to like educate myself. I worked out harder than I've ever worked out. I ate clean. I stopped drinking caffeine. I I was like crazy. I was in the best health in every area except mental. And for some reason, I wasn't getting better. Right. And so I finally went, chatted with Wendy. And the first visit, she said, you would have never figured this out by yourself. You never would have Mm -hmm. worked yourself to death with your physical and 
you know, all these different things, but not your mental health. And right. ever since then, it's like a light bulb came on. Like, why do people not know how important this is? Right. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't even have to be trauma. It can just be stress. Sometimes you just need to go vent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And vent to somebody who doesn't even know you. They they don't have any history. They don't, you know, like, oh, God, she's complaining <laughs> about this again. You just, <laughs> they're third party. Yeah. And everything you say to them stays with them. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's go back to your book. What was the inspiration behind it? So in case you didn't catch it earlier, um, she was a co-author. She and one of her buddies got together, published this book called Black November. It's full of amazing poetry. Um, I was lucky enough for her to send me a copy for this live stream and I blew through it for real in like 45 minutes. It's super interesting. It's super catchy. Um, what, how did y'all get this started? Like what made you want to start this book? Um, so it actually was the brainchild of my writing partner. So my writing partner is Adrian Banks. Uh, we went to high school together and we've kind of been writing partners throughout our entire friendship. Um, and so we always talked about one day having um, a project together, but she got super inspired by the souls of black people by WB Du Bois. And she just came up with this bright idea, like, oh, let's just write about our experiences, like everything that we're navigating and, and going through right now. Um, because when we started the project, I was smack dab in the middle of grad school. Yeah. So that was a, a whirlwind. I a lot of um, and then, about grad school. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then she's an actress in California. So she's constantly navigating a lot too and so we really wanted to write about our personal experiences just as humans um but then also our experiences as black women and just tie in some universal themes there um another big thing about the book is that it's poetry prose and spoken word so we both were in theater in high school and we used to go on drama competitions one thing that we both did in those competitions was taking pieces of art and then interpreting it dramatically and so that's what we also wanted to do kind of have something where somebody like one of us in high school could look at it and be like oh i can i can do that for that's competition cool. and so those were two big things we wanted to accomplish with this one very cool man that's cool that she went off and did her acting mm -hmm. you do therapy or anything as well or should, does she focus on acting she focuses on acting as far as like her actual job, yeah. but she's still very much a, a mental health advocate herself. Cool. Very cool. Well, I love that y'all kind of kept that uh, connection throughout your life. That's really neat. It's yeah. So far apart, you know, California is not really right. close. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I've actually gotten um, one of my best friends from high school is actually working with a barber um, and he's trying to bring mental health awareness to the black male community, which I think is super cool. Awesome. I'm, I'm going to try and get him on here, here as well. But talking to you, thinking about him, I got to thinking, what does mental health look like in the black community? Like, I don't know any statistics as far as black versus white or anything like that. Like we said earlier, I feel like inside we're all human. We all bleed red and we all have issues. Right. And so I didn't know is mental health something that's discussed in the black community? Is it frowned upon? Like give us feedback as far as that goes. Um, so historically, no. So historically it, it has been a, a lot of stigma. That's, 
you don't even hear growing up you didn't even hear stuff like anxiety you heard oh she has bad nerves yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff uh, my nerves are bad my nerves are bad my grandma used to say that all the time yeah. um but but um it is it is something that is starting to shift so like i said historically we didn't really talk about that type of thing um you go to church and you pray about it or you talk to your family or you just pray it away that kind of stuff um but now you start to see more people kind of lean into that like you see a lot of people my age and even older that are starting to normalize therapy themselves you even see it in entertainment so i don't know if you watch this is us but randall the black character um he's in I feel therapy like he is my like i don't know what you call him we're both i feel like we're both an enneagram six uh-huh. <laughs> but like we want to get everything done and we want to be perfect and then they hit that point it's that anxiety block oh yeah girl i know i know about randall <laughs> So, yeah, so you have it in entertainment, like Randall's in therapy and thriving, um, even in music. So Jay-Z, when he released his last album, 444, he was talking about discovering therapy and how transformative that was for him. Um, he worked through a lot of childhood trauma and a lot of abandonment issues with his dad. Um, so now, currently, we are seeing a big shift and a big wave of people starting to understand more about what mental health is and kind of remove the stigma or, or just navigate it differently. Um, but historically there was a huge stigma and that's not to say that, sorry, it's mad. that's not to say that, you know, there's not still sure. stigma now. Of course there is. We're, we're constantly working on that, but you do start, we are starting to see more people kind of plug into it and take it seriously. Absolutely. Man, I think that goes with black or white, honestly, because um, like I said, I jumped on the advocate boat a long time ago and hardcore about, man, everybody could benefit from it. And I also work with geriatrics and it's the same thing. They say, oh, my nerves are bad. I've heard that so much and just yeah. came up behind it. However, with 2021, really 2020, I feel like COVID really kind of uh, normalized therapy a little bit. I, I did. Mm -hmm. music scene because that's mostly what my social media consists of are bands and singers and songwriters and they've all kind of jumped on the bandwagon of it's okay to not be okay because they struggled right. during COVID you know music and performing came to a halting stop mm -hmm. and so it's kind of cool because now on Instagram and Facebook my feed is just blowing up with famous people discussing their struggles and how they've gone to therapy and how they're doing better so it's been kind of cool to see that shift happen with our generation right another thing that i think helped with that is the access to it yeah so it hasn't always been accessible to everyone um but you have much better insurance panels now so people are able to afford it um, and then if you can't afford it, you have plenty of therapists that will do sliding scales and work with you so that you can still come to therapy. Yeah. So I think the accessibility is a big thing too. Yeah, for real. I think that, I think you're absolutely right. With COVID, you know, a lot of it went telehealth. So everything mm -hmm. on your cell phone. So you just hop on yourself. Right. At, which makes it super awesome as well. Um, nothing to be embarrassed about. You just pick your phone up and it's like you're calling a friend, a really expensive right. friend, but it's like, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so Phyllis Norris, um, I actually know her from my hometown. She is a counselor as well. She works in the school setting and she commented 
that parents need to be aware that children can suffer just as much as adults suffer. Um, Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I feel like I, I read all these memes talking about how we go to therapy because of our parents and then our kids will go <laughs> us and so it's always like something the parents did wrong but I feel like it all kind of stems or a lot of it from childhood and how you're raised and yeah. fears that you've kind of pushed deep down and tried to figure out mm -hmm. and they just kind of yeah or just attachment with your parents so depending on what type of attachment you had growing up that will cause different issues or make you respond differently um, yeah, everything, everything kind of plays a role in it. Nothing starts with you. There are always patterns that you can trace back to something in your childhood or something that happened with your parents. And that's not to say that they did it wrong or they messed up or, sure. you know, you, they screwed you up. But <laughs> everybody is going to have something that they have to unravel. Sure. Just like our kids will have to unravel stuff from us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we kind of talked about this earlier, but we talked about why you write poetry, why you did all this stuff. Um, talking about what made you want to be a therapist. So I'm sure like were your parents into therapy? Were they like super consoling people? Was it something you grew up around or was this a totally new idea for your family? So what kind of got you into this outlet? Yeah, it was pretty new yeah. for my family. Okay. Um, I don't think it was anything that they had an issue with. Sure. Um, I think it was just a thing of, of knowledge, just not knowing. It wasn't a thing, really. Yeah. Um, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I got interested in psychology, like hardcore in college. Um, and so that's when I actually first started going to therapy myself. And just being on the other side of it, being a client, like I know personally how when it's the right time, when it's the right person, so the right fit, yeah. the right therapist itself, and you're in the right space, like you're open and you're you're ready for something, it can be really transformative. It can be really powerful and it can be really effective. Yeah. So knowing how it felt for me, I was like, oh, I want to help other people feel that I way. I love it. That is so awesome, man. I have to say again, I've got several therapist friends or counselor friends and I tell them all the time, I do not know how y'all do what you do, but I thank you for it. Like y'all are making <laughs> difference and it is a thankless job. Like you go eight hours hearing all the bad stuff, but to end your day on a good note, thank you. Y'all are amazing. We owe y'all way more than we give y'all. Uh, y'all are what keep the world. Well, thank you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you for all of that. Um, okay. So let's jump in kind of deep, okay? I want to repeat what I said earlier because a lot of people vlogged back in. Uh, this is a super sensitive topic. We're both super nervous about it and we're only human. So um, this is something we just want to bring to people's attention. And I quoted Brene Brown earlier. We talked about how we aren't here to be right. We're here to get it right. So this is just a topic that we want to bring to people's attention, discuss it freely, things like that. So don't judge too harshly. We'll, we'll just say that. Okay, we'll dive, We'll just dive right in, right? Okay, exactly. so I know everybody's struggle is different and kind of like we talked about earlier, we're both females uh, and I can't speak nor can you for all the females, but there's just a major struggle between being a male in America and being a female in America. Um, mm 
Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of things that have happened throughout my life that I've seen. So like I said, I can't even imagine having that battle plus being a different race than people are used to or whatever, just the stigma behind that. So yeah, your personal experience, I know you can't speak about everybody, but growing up in America, as people think like America's this perfect, wonderful, the best world, but we still have our cracks that we fall short. And the reason I want to discuss this is because I myself want to be better at it. I want people watching to be better at it. So what is something the best way I can word it is from your personal point of view, what's something you feel like you've noticed as a struggle being a black female in America? Like what are some things you've maybe run across or you know people run across? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like having three different consciousness, right? So you have the stuff personally like that that doesn't have anything to do with um being black or being a woman just stuff you're kind of dealing with so for me personally right now i'm navigating a lot of grief um i'm navigating a lot of work stress um i do struggle with anxiety sometimes so i navigate that as well and that's that's just me as a person not either identity but then on top of that you have me being a woman and so i deal with plenty of things like we live in a very patriarchal society unfortunately um we are still dealing any man can be misogynistic black white or other it doesn't matter so (laughs) still still dealing with lots of just casual misogyny not even people being intently misogynistic yeah sure a lot of the right culture all those yeah to cut into that a lot of the comments and the things i get with music or being a female they don't mean the things they, mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, that was rude, but it's because I'm right. a woman, right? But they don't even mean it. Right. Think about it. Right. Anyway, not to interrupt you, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. We're connecting. <laughs> um, but yeah, so all those things that we deal with as women, um, look at all of the laws and things that are being pushed now to control our bodies. So you deal with all of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then on top of that, right (laughs) then on top of that you have race so you have everything that's specific to me as a black person not just a woman um whether that be microaggressions in very white spaces or anxiety from things that are happening politically or socially like right now we are watching the Derek Chauvin case and that causes a lot of anxiety so there's always some type of struggle that we are focusing on or that I'm focusing on um but I have to deal with all of that and then button it put it to the side so that I can be present and be fully there for my clients and that even just that shift is sometimes difficult yeah Yeah, I can't imagine that's a perfect way to put it is you've just got these layers of things that you have to deal with. Um, One popped up in my in my mind, um, a comment. So like I said, I work with geriatrics, I do therapy as well. uh, But speech therapy, not like mental health therapy. Um, But in that I do a lot of mental health counseling with family and patients and things. Um, I love all of that. So this man comes in, he's probably in his 70s, so he's really not that old, um, and made a comment about how I wasn't married and I didn't have kids, and I was about to the age where um, I wasn't going to be able to, and I was basically going to be worthless. And I was like, well, 
I, I'm okay with where I am in life. And he didn't mean it wrong. You know, he's, mm -hmm. and then he goes on to say that the only reason I should know what time it is, is because I'm standing over an oven. Whoa. Yeah. As I'm at work, helping yeah. him get better. And I, you know, I just kind of giggled and he was very much serious and I have to kind of mm -hmm. put it on the back burner, not let it tick me off. Cause I could have flipped him in his wheelchair, but I didn't No, <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but I just thought, you know, this generation is very much different than 2021. And I'm just so thankful that we're making that shift in different beliefs and different stigmas and just like, not even woman power. Like I'm all about women doing their thing and rocking it, but just human power. Right. Right. Like I'm all about right. getting together and equality. And it just blows my mind that some people have that thought process, mm -hmm. you know, so yes. to go with like, that was me as a female. So I can't imagine his thought process, you know, what if I were black and I had to add that right on it, what in the world would he have said then? Right. And yeah, it didn't even mean it offensively, but good Lord. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, to I totally know what you mean as far as the female thing goes. It's people will never understand. You just kind of have to laugh and shrug it off sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I put on my, my grin, like, yeah. Ooh, exactly. you better be glad I can't say what I'm thinking. <laughs> better be glad I'd lose my job if I said what I was saying. Yeah. I think my, <laughs> I was biting it so hard. Um, but yeah, yeah. So on that topic, so a lot, oh my gosh, so much has happened in 2020 and coming into 2021 as far as politics. And like you said, the court case, I mean, it's just the world's going crazy. We'll just say that. But as far mm -hmm. as racial injustice, I feel like, I don't know, I'm kind of confused on this topic because I feel like it's been brought to attention way more. Mm -hmm. ever has ever it's kind of something that's been swept under a rug right it's never really been put posted on the news and posted all over everywhere so that you're always seeing hey we're not really equal pay attention to this and so it's mm -hmm. cool it's great that it's getting um posted everywhere and people are aware of it but then part of me also feels like for me i've not been around that long but the few years i've been here it almost feels like racial injustice is worse and I don't you know yeah. like I can't tell if it's because it's gotten um, so much attention or if it I don't know it's hard to say so do you feel like I'm just kind of curious your side of that do you feel like we're making progress as far as equality and injustice and just being a human group together rather than two parties separated Ooh, that's a hard that's one. a loaded um, question but yeah like, like from my point of view like i said it's super hard for me because that's not a party like that doesn't affect me like it would somebody of the black community right and so yeah posted everywhere and then i see people argue it just seems like people are up in arms all the time and so i can't yeah. tell if the attention is good on the news and it's helping mm -hmm. or if it's getting worse. I can't really tell. Well, that's, that's the thing though, that, that in and of itself, 
albeit it's, it's small and it, it doesn't look like we're getting anywhere, but it is a very, very tiny piece of progress, just the awareness. Yeah. Um, because there are lots of people who a year ago, two years ago, the, these things would have happened and only black people or only people that, you know, know black people and love black people would have been affected by it. You know, there wouldn't be any, any major coverage. Right. Or there will be a bubble up of attention and then it go back yeah. down. Yeah. It's just status quo again. So I think in a way we are making some type of progress. I struggled though saying that we're we're progressing because it's like what exactly are we progressing towards? And like you said, you see on Facebook if something happens or you know, you go to THV eleven, yeah. if you ever go to some of their their posts just look at the comments and it's it's horrendous sometimes um so i don't know that's a that's a hard one sometimes i feel like we we are progressing and then sometimes i feel like we're we haven't moved at all yeah yeah that's kind of where i am i'm kind of stuck between i think it's great for everybody to be aware and then i almost feel like it stirs up more angry people so it's just kind of yeah it's a tough situation to be in but with that I'll kind of go back to our generation. I feel like um, the generation we're in is really great. You know, like we get a lot of flack for being selfish and the generation yeah. under us, like we're all about ourselves and things like that. But I feel like um, mental health, self-awareness, mm -hmm. the Enneagrams, like learning everybody else, I feel mm -hmm. really strong with our generation and below which could really bring some great, great things, right? Yeah. Like, so for the yeah. come, I feel like it might be a good shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Phil, it's go ahead, go ahead. It, any, any movement is good movement. And so it's not, we're definitely not where we need to be, but it could always be worse. Sure. I, I wonder if we'll ever be where we need to be, right? I mean, who's... I feel like, like even as a female, man, the day where we'll all be perfectly equal, what a day that'll be. Mm -hmm. Like how cool. Right. That'll be a cool, cool day. I feel like we're always going to be shooting for that. Um, and I'll be rooting for it always. Sorry about my guard dog, by the way. <laughs> I knocked on the door and she's all about guarding me. So, which I'm good. I'm good with that. All right. So right. Says, um, think how stressful it is for black mothers who have sons. What do they tell them about staying safe? Uh, this is absolutely something I think about all the time. I've got um, black male friends. Uh, mm -hmm. We've discussed it a little bit, um, but again, it's just kind of a sensitive topic. You don't know how to bring it up. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I can't imagine being pulled over and being scared about something happening, right? Like that, that thought right. really crossed my mind. Yeah. And do you have, it's hard. It's, it's hard because I also have cops in my family oh. too. So it's, it's, it's always a really hard space to be in because anything can happen. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter that I have cops in my family and I know them and they're good and I love them. Um, it can, it can always go left. Yeah. You know, my, one of my very best friends is a black male yeah. and he's been in a situation where things could have gotten really bad, really quickly. Oh, wow. um, but thank goodness they didn't, yeah. you know? So it that is hard. That's that's extremely hard. Even I don't have children yet, okay. but just thinking of one day having sons that would have to go through that. I have to go through it myself as a black woman. Yeah. Um, 
I've had moments where I haven't feared. Um, I haven't been in situations where I've had to fear because I haven't been pulled over. But I do fear being pulled over. You don't have to rub it in. Some of us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah. it is, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Okay. So if you were a mother to sons or do you have any brothers or anything? Don't have any brothers. Okay. Um, okay. Let's say you got married, you have kids. Do you feel like that would be something you would sit down and have a conversation with them about? Or, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you just talk about like, um, what happens if this happens or be prepared because life's not fair sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, that's so wild to me and so unfair. I mean, you know, my yes. parents never had to sit me down and say, okay, when you get pulled over by the cops, be sure to do what they say, you know? Like, right. Never. Right. Now we, but those are conversations that we have to have very early yeah. in childhood for, or at least I did personally, I had to have those conversations. My mom and dad were very, very adamant about making sure that I was always aware of those type of things. Yeah. Now we did have conversations about being a female. So like, don't trust um, the car unless it's got certain lights on it or if the person right. have a suit on or, so we did get the talk regarding female out driving alone mm -hmm. and how it can be very scary and can turn wrong quickly. And so mm -hmm. that it's just another layer added to that. Not only do you have to worry about that, you also have to worry about being judged unfairly. Right. I can't, I can't imagine. That's just wild to think about. Um, so Wendy actually wanted me to ask you, she was talking about, so from your perspective of developing a strong sense of self as a black woman, being in the helping profession and, balancing career personal and social life like how do you do all of these things and apparently just rock all of them like, <laughs> all of these all of these acts that you're doing so i'm going to say what wendy says to me literally once a week self-care <laughs> like, and it's something that i think she would agree that i have gotten better at from the first time she met me to now yeah. um and she will literally check in and say, well, what are you doing for self-care this week? But just creating boundaries around the things that I do um, versus who I am. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't always bring work home with me because like I said earlier, I have those three levels, those three layers of things that are, that are constantly on me. Um, so I have to have boundaries between my work and myself. Yeah. Um, and then I also have to fill my cup if I want to pour from yeah. it. I can't pour from something that's that's bone dry. And so that's one thing that I am currently working on getting better at. <laughs> oh, I, but really paying attention to self-care. And it's not, self-care is not always, you know, nice bubble baths and a face mask, but understanding that you need boundaries and making hard decisions and letting other people down, like all of that constitutes self-care. Yeah, funny, Wendy and I had the exact same conversation. Like, learn <laughs> to say, no, it's okay. Yeah, right. I actually posted something the other day. I heard it on TV and it, it mirrors what you said exactly. So self care isn't selfish. And it talks about how that's why when you're on an airplane and oxygen masks come down, you put yours on first so that you mm -hmm. adequately, adequately take care of somebody else. And so you put that into your life 
And you got to take care of yourself so that you can then pour out of your full cup to help somebody else. And that hit me. Right. Because sometimes you're just like dragging, but you're like, but I right. help them. Right. And that's not what you- Wendy literally said that to me last week. She literally said, yeah, about putting your mask on. But so, she literally said that. So- <laughs> She's going to have to pay copyright laws. No, I'm just kidding. I, t- <laughs> I totally stole it. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was on All American. Have you ever seen that show? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it talks about actually a black guy going through life and he was having go through talking about getting pulled over and the cop situation uh but he Mm -hmm. talked about he went to counseling because he had all those yeah and his counselor said he gave him that analogy and i was like oh that was good i'm all right right and then when i'm gonna steal that too (laughs) she's watching like god you're an idiot Um, (laughs) um, all right so i want to jump into your book. Do you have the copy sitting with you? I do. Okay. I'm going to ask a huge favor of you. Okay. Okay. So I read through all of it and I think one of my favorite ones was called Skittles was one that you wrote. You have to read all of it. I know it's a couple of pages, um, but this one really stuck out to me because it talks about things I don't know. It it talks about like one guy and how his decisions could have impacted something and like, don't wear a hoodie. Don't have the attitude. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it just really stuck with me, especially about this topic that we're having now. Um, Yeah. Would you be cool with reading part of it for us? Like, so don't have a copy of it. Yeah. I would, I would love if you read all of it, but I know it's kind of long. So you do you girl, if you want to read it, please do. All right. So if you want can people buy this book just from like they can yeah they well not amazon we use blurb um it's b-l-u-r-b and then you can type in black november you can type in kelsey allen or you can type in adrian banks and it'll pop up perfect yeah so this book has been super awesome it's an easy read it's full of like she said poetry um uh what all did you call it it's poetry Poetry, prose, and spoken word. Girl, I didn't do acting. I don't know all the. (laughs) I know what it is, but I can't remember what it's called. I know (laughs) that people can do that. All right, girl. So this one's called Skittles. It was one that really stuck out to me uh, by Kelsey. So I'm going to let her read it to you guys and listen closely because it just, I I don't know, something about it hit me uh, knowing that we were going to be discussing this topic. I wonder if Trayvon would have gone to college. I was a freshman when he died and only a couple years older. What would he have done? Who would he have become? How would he have shaped the world around him? Breath flees my body when I think of yours that night in February. Of all the black and brown bodies robbed of spirit and blood by rules that always work against us instead of for us. In a country that was built by us and exists on top of us. His death made me dread the thought of birthing a son. Don't wear a hoodie. Don't have an attitude. Don't play music too loud. Don't defend yourself. Don't be too black. Don't be too black. I wonder if Sandra would have liked her new job. I was working full time for the first time when she died. What would she have done after the summer? What could she have taught her community? One morning, not long after she was gone, 
I found myself on the side of a road, shaking, weeping, and feeling dread so heavy that it could have sunk me into the pit of the earth. Afraid because a black and white car with blue lights pulled behind me a little too fast. Don't reach for your wallet. Don't tell them your license to carry. Don't play with a toy gun. Don't disobey. Don't be too black. Don't be too black. What kind of music did Jordan like? What were Eric's dreams for his children? What pictures did Amadou have in his wallet? What games did Tamir like to play? What would Philando have done for his birthday if he had made it? What would Oscar have done for New Year's Eve 2010? Don't look for help after an accident. Don't make eye contact. Don't avoid eye contact. Don't look like you don't belong. Don't be too black. Don't be too black. My heart gets heavy at the thought of them, all of them. Their faces, their names, their stories, their potential that will never be fulfilled. Their ordinary mundane lives that will never be completed. Anger bubbles in my gut and my brain fries in my skull. Weariness aches me and I become submerged with despair. The burden bears its full weight on me and my knees buckle. Fear grips me, smothers me. This, this ain't freedom. Dang, girl. Oh, that's good. You need to do like an audio book. That is actually what we are currently working oh, on. Yeah, you read it so well. So like I read it to myself, but the way you pause and kind of build it up. Man, that like gave me goosebumps. And it's, it's perfectly. So it talks about the conversation of the mom. Like I, I see you as a mom having this conversation with your son. Like don't wear a hoodie. Don't have an attitude. Don't, don't be too black, but don't right. be too black. Right. And right. Blows my mind. Like it feels like being black and being from a culture and one that has a history of being so close and so inviting should be celebrated. And instead you're kind of having trying, trying to hide it. And yeah. that's just so sad. Um, one thing that really resonates with me, and I don't know if you meant this the way you did, but it's almost like wordplay, but it talks about in a country that was built by us exists on top of us. And to me, mm -hmm. You might have meant it that way as well, but I picture just like black people struggling and like the white power just sitting on top of you, squishing you, you know? Uh, yeah. Like that's the first imagery that popped into my mind with that sentence. And it's just so, so powerful. Very good. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Dang girl. You good. <laughs> good. Thank you. commented about how powerful it was. Andrew said skills is one of the ones that always sits heaviest with me as well. So you've got another fan on here listening. Yeah, Andrew's one of my best friends. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Andrew, I get it. That one just really resonated with me. I actually had two bookmarks on it because I was like that. I don't want to forget that one. Um, there were several other ones that I really liked, but yeah, the way he painted it, um, which is part of being a poet and a songwriter and things like that. You want to paint this picture that anybody that picks it up, reads it, feels like they're in that situation and hearing you read it like makes me nervous, you know, like yeah. put myself in that situation or. Are you hearing some echo? I cannot hear any echo. Okay. That's weird. I hear echo. Uh -oh. Does anybody else, is everybody else's sound okay? 
they'll let us know. Trust me. Okay. A lot of people will comment on there. Um, okay. So one more time, if you guys want to order it, it's Black November. It is a poetry book written by Kelsey and one of her good friends, Adrian. It is powerful for sure. And if not anything, it's super like, I like it. It's sleek. It, yeah. It's like good coffee desk art. Somebody said it. Sounds, oh, yeah. Wendy said it sounds fun. Okay. Everybody thinks it. Okay. It might just be something on your side, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it makes. If I take weird pauses, it's because I'm hearing the <laughs> echo. <laughs> um, I want to thank you so much for joining me, Kelsey. Was there anything else that you kind of wanted to uh, touch on with everybody, or do you feel like we touched it pretty good? Um, I guess what I will, I hear the echo now, so I'm trying to wait and let it, <laughs> I guess one thing that I definitely want to end with is that I do not speak for all Black women. Um, so I can only speak on my experiences. Um, but one thing that I think is really important for people that want to be allies is to do two things. And that's one, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, I'll turn the sound down. Maybe that'll help. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Okay, perfect. I just turned the sound down. Perfect. Um, so get comfortable with being uncomfortable because this conversation is easy for us, but for a lot of people, it might be really cringy or it might just not feel the greatest to acknowledge some of the things that other people go through. Um, but that's the only way to really grow. Yeah. Right. So I think being comfortable asking questions that you really want answers to, but then also not placing the burden of educating you on a person of color. Yeah. So that, that can also be kind of iffy too. Um, I think one thing that's super important when you are asking people that are in your life that are friends or people you consider family, these questions. Also, we live in a Google generation. So have some, have done some work on your own before you even start those conversations. You know what I mean? Like we have plenty of podcasts, we have plenty of books, we have plenty of blogs that you can do a little research on your own and just kind of figure things out and then start asking these questions. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of the questions you might have might even be answered just following the right people on Twitter. Yeah. So I think, like I said, get comfortable being uncomfortable and asking these questions and then also putting in the work of your on your own because that shows that you are serious about even wanting to know the answers in the first place. I love it. I love it. I'm not going to lie. I Googled uh, stuff about racism and injustice and all these things before this live stream because it is it's so sensitive and you don't want to word anything wrong and you might right like I sent you the uh questions that we might ask beforehand I was like hey is this okay to ask I don't so it's mm -hmm. offensive. you got to be really careful but again, right it's something it's good to talk about it shows your interest and things and that was actually going to be my next question was as a white American um that layer that you have to worry about culturally is something that I'm not aware of. I don't have to struggle with that, um, but I want to help. So knowing how to help with equality or combat racism and things like that. So those would be your suggestions would be kind of researching on your own and educating yourself, being uncomfortable. Right. Right. I Definitely. I love it. Very good. Thank you so, so much. Somebody said they just ordered their copy. Your buddy, Andrew said, <laughs> yay! <laughs> uh, y'all get in on the ground floor with these ladies and their work so you can brag about it when they inevitably inevitably blow up I'm 
Yes, uh, speaking into existence. Okay. <laughs> My friend, he seems really great and supportive. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you so right. much for joining me again. Guys, get this book. They're going to be famous before you know it. They actually talked about an audio book at some point, which I'm like super excited about. I'm not going to lie. Hearing you read that poem, I'm probably going to go back and listen to it again later because it was just like, oh, girl. it gave me goosebumps. It's so good. Like hearing you read it hit, hit a different way than me reading it to myself. So yeah. So thank you so well, much for, for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for wanting to do such a sensitive topic with me for being open and thank you for your work in the community, uh, for helping people be more equal as well as just, gosh, your work in the mental health realm of things like you're making a difference. And I thank you for that. No problem at all. Like anytime I can talk about mental health and poetry, I'm sign me up. I'm Girl, here. I love it. We need to go get <laughs> coffee sometimes because I'm all about all those things. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a great one. Thanks so much for joining me and we'll be in touch. I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one, Kelsey. You too. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at townsendtmusic for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone. If you're looking to buy or sell, I have the perfect realty company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. And they understand that buying or selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience. That's why their team of highly seasoned real estate professionals is dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized services for all their clients. They truly take great pride in the relationships they build, and they always work relentlessly on the client's behalf to help them achieve their perfect real estate goals. They always have the client in mind, and I can speak firsthand when I say how reliable, trustworthy, and quick they were. When I was looking to buy my first home, they were there with me every step of the way, answering every question I could think of. They showed me a great amount of knowledge and patience through the process. It's no wonder they've won so many awards for their outstanding services and their excellent relationships with clients. So if you're looking to buy or sell, there is no better option than Clark & Co Realty.